0: Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. So great to see you all out there, your smiling faces. Uh, I wonder how you are listening to this episode. You might be on your wind trainer or turbo, whatever you like to call it. Uh, maybe you're heading out for a run or maybe you're staying indoors for a run these days. Or maybe, just maybe, uh, you're heading to sleep. You've popped your earphones in and you thought, I'm just going to listen to a podcast and drift off to sleep listen to the dulcet tones of Steph in my ear and surely that's going to send me off to nine nightland wrong i probably not so well known for my dulcet tones um if you need a booming voice i'm your gal uh but probably not the best podcast to be drifting off to sleep uh, personally i used to listen to a podcast called my favorite murder Uh, before I went to sleep. Uh, That was before I had a child. I can no longer do that because it gives me nightmares. That's right. Strange that a murder podcast will give you nightmares if you listen to it while you drift off to sleep. So there's two things not to do, not to listen to, if you are trying to go to sleep right now. Don't listen to me and don't listen to true crime or murder podcasts. Uh, This message has been brought to you by an idiot who used to do it uh, and no longer does that. All right. Clearly, I've digressed already. You're all here to, to listen to Dr. Orsa Lundstrom. So we will get stuck straight in. But before we do, I do want to thank our latest top-tiered wit supporters. Uh, they are our top-tiered patrons. Uh, I would like to thank Courtney Tino Tynomite, and Harrison Rolls-King. Massive thank you for all of your support. all the support of all of our patrons whether you're the top tier or not if you haven't already please make sure that you hit subscribe uh, on whatever podcast platform that you listen to us Uh, and please leave a comment let us know how we're doing and also let me know what you thought of our new intro music but for now let's get stuck into our chat with dr orsa lundstrom I am very excited to be speaking to one of the nicest triathletes I've had the pleasure of meeting on the circuit and someone, well, hands down, the best name on the circuit as well. (laughs) Can everyone please welcome Orsa Lundström. And did I get that right? That
1: was perfect. You're one of the non-Swedish speaking... Persons who pronounce my name the best.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Now, you've taught me, though, a very special way of remembering how to say your name. Uh, Mm -hmm. Can you please enlighten everyone else how you told me to say your name?
1: Okay. uh, Well, so if you're, I guess it doesn't work really well if you're American English speaking, but if you were South uh, African, Australian, um, New Zealand, you would be. If you think my name as awesome, but mm, half, so half <laughs> awesome,
0: that would be also,
1: more or less. That's how I you know. pronounce the first letter with the A with a circle on top.
0: I love it. It's my favorite. It, it, as soon as you oh. told me that, I've never got your name wrong. Because it's, I it, mean, I, yeah, any, anyone, especially who knows me, knows that I love the, <laughs> the word awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So I even I even have my own hashtag, which is awesome. But with uh, with spelled like my name and then me at the end, at the end. Some it's, people it's, get it. Most you would get it, but not everyone would.
0: <laughs> exactly. And so okay. So my other favorite thing about you, other than your name, is that you also have your own coffee brand, which is also <laughs> called Awesome Coffee. Is it not? Exactly.
1: Yes, it is. Oh my God. But yeah, I am a very humble person, so why not call my coffee awesome coffee? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: you like my spirit animal. It's amazing. I love it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, catchy hashtag just to get it a bit more personalized because I've been, you know, having a not very international name uh, and training and racing and traveling. Um, mostly international it's it's been quite tricky to always have to explain how to pronounce my name and it's all and but still people get it wrong and I don't blame them but it's just uh, Mm. by accident I found a a good solution to to explain (laughs) how people would remember
0: well now everybody who listens to this podcast is well aware of how to say your name they are on board Mm -hmm. And they are also welcome to just call me awesome. that's fine too <laughs> <laughs> uh now, speaking of being awesome, you are actually uh very i mean there's there's a good chance that you could go uh into labor any second now. You are very much due to to greet your small human any day now. is that right?
1: That's right, I'm actually uh, uh, four or five days over estimated uh, time. so it could be, yeah, I wake up every morning being a bit disappointed and nothing has happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. So you during this time, um, so you're you're also a a doctor. So you've been working, uh, pr- well, right up until due date, if not over your due date, how how have mm-hmm. you been? Co- uh, because I know when I was due, and um, I didn't go over the time, but I was well and truly ready to meet Frankie. How are you coping <laughs> with working <laughs> and being this late in the pregnancy?
1: Um, well, I think first of all, I've been very lucky or fortunate to have a really good pregnancy. I haven't been struggling enough a lot I've you know I've been having many of the pregnancy related issues but not a lot and not very much I've been I've been able to work um, and live fairly normal I mean not as from a professional triathlon perspective but as a normal person perspective so (laughs) and uh, so and also exercising has been my my rescue because i've noticed the days i did not train anything or did any any kind of exercise i felt a lot more pregnant you know with feeling heavy and tired and just uncomfortable w- with myself um, but to forcing myself to have a routine of doing some sort of exercise every day has helped me a lot so you know my sleeping better and better circulation and less swollen and and um so I think the exercise has helped me a lot and of course my colleagues has been very nice to me at the end where I didn't have to be in the ER as much where you're not as flexible to <laughs> how much you stand up and how much you run and uh, yeah. so being so also they have uh, adjusted my tasks a bit at, at the hospital so I've been able to sit down a bit more so a lot of things has contributed to how I have been able to train, but I think exercise has been a key thing.
0: Yeah, right. And when when you're not 110 billion weeks pregnant, like I guess you're feeling now, <laughs> um, what, what, and you mentioned that you've worked in the ER, Has um, so, so that's the doctor that you normally are, an ER doctor?
1: Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing my internship which means that I am basically doing a little bit of everything. So I have, I've done six months at the surgery department, which is both, you know, assisting surgery and ER part of the uh, surgery, which um, is trauma and that kind of stuff. Uh, And then six months of uh, medicine, general medicine, and then six months of uh, general practice and then three months of, um, psychiatry, uh, psychiatry. Yep. Uh, so so it's um I, I move around a lot do a lot of different things, but ER is a part of it, so you right. the, the point is to get as much experience as possible before you choose your uh, residency and specialize
0: and so what what has been your favorite and and have you been surprised by any of them that they have been your favorite
1: um I was uh, I'm still looking for to find my uh, uh to find my spot in general medicine and I I think I'm more of a practical uh person than a theoretical even though I find it very interesting to read about um I, the, the daily life uh I think I would appreciate more having a bit more you know different tasks during the day with both the surgery and some theoretical and uh um, so I think some kind of surgery would be interesting. Um, people has always said that, oh, so you're, but you're doing sports too. I'm sure I bet you want to be an orthopedic surgeon. I said, I always said that I probably not because I don't want to work with, in. I mean, I want to work with healthy, healthier people and not with injured and injuries, but it was it was very interesting with orthopedic surgery, actually, and um, yeah. But I'm still, you know, this is taking that I will work at the hospital as the as the way that you would spontaneously think of how a doctor works. But I'm hoping to maybe not work at the hospital necessarily, and being able to combine my experience from sports and being a medical doctor somehow. Mm-hmm. Maybe work for a team as a doctor or work with you know maybe more identifying uh, preventing unhealth before people are unhealthy uh, preventing injuries before people get injured. so I'm more interested in the in that part of the uh, health rather than uh, helping people who are already who already are ill in some way
0: right so okay so you're you're that. Typical, you know, um, type A personality where you are uh, an overachiever, I think it's fair to say. You're a professional triathlete and you've been studying to be a doctor and obviously now an, an intern. What, at what point? Because I guess you you got into professional triathlon a little bit later in life, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, very yeah.
0: much so. I was uh, 24, 25, 25. Yeah. So. Um, I find it it really quite interesting to see the difference between professional men and professional uh, women that a a lot of the professional women get started in long-course racing I'm talking about. Um, They get started a little bit later in life, so they've almost had a bit more of a a different life before they have gotten into it. I I feel like women, that tends to be more on the women's side of things, whereas men tend to, and I'm generalising, but men tend to start a lot a lot earlier in their professional career have you have you found that yourself
1: uh yeah maybe um, I'm not sure maybe, you know in general women tend to be more endurant, uh than men and especially and people in general when as they get older but women especially so maybe that's mm. a reason why women tend to or or they just i don't know. No, mm. I don't know. But I, I have noticed the same thing that uh, generally there are um, female athletes are not necessarily been uh, sporting the doing the same sport their entire life or starting late.
0: Mm. It's interesting. So okay. Yeah. So back to early So before you became a professional triathlete and before you became a doctor. What what did you want to be when you grew up, or did you always want to be a doctor of some sort? And then you then the bright shiny light of being a triathlete sort of steered you away from, from that line of work for a little while.
1: Um, I think I started I started medical school before I started with triathlon. That's actually how I got into triathlon. That I met my future husband at medical school, and he was a former triathlete. Uh, triathletes. Um, oh. So he was the one introducing me to the sports. Um, but well, I had tried it once in in high school or something. Uh, but I I wasn't hooked at, at once. I, I found it a bit um, crazy. I think. <laughs> but then, yeah, cool. then love then love came along, and then uh, it was worth doing the crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> and I got hooked. <laughs> Uh, okay. But I'm, you know but when I was a child I and I I think I've always talked about being either a doc, medical doctor or a veterinarian but I've also talked about being able I wanted to travel the world, I wanted to I want to be a I wanted to be a nature photographer because I was then I would be able to see the world and travel and so I think what I'm doing now that I'm uh I am having that second uh, career as a medical—I consider that being my alternative career, <laughs> a medical doctor. My primary career is still uh, the sport, and I yeah. get to travel a lot and see a lot of things and meet new people through the sport. Instead, I think uh, I think I found my way um, to through my childhood dreams.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Not many people can say that they have managed to do that. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> it is. It is. Hashtag <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, so, I'm, I mean, I haven't really been thinking, you know, literally that this is my childhood dream. This is what I want to pursue. But looking back, uh, when people have asked me this question, I realized that I, I am. It turns out that I'm not that far away from what I've been talking about when I was a kid. And people asked me what I wanted to do when I grew up. So, But, you know, it hasn't been something that's been a big a goal for me the, my entire life.
0: Right. So you mentioned that uh, being a vet was, was a childhood dream as well. What, mm. what sort of steered you away from that?
1: <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah. I realized that I would, I think I would be too uh, sensitive when animals <laughs> were yep. not treated well. And I figured uh, humans are ah, not too bad.
0: <laughs> I, I'm I'm laughing because I thought that I wanted to be a vet as a kid as well, mm-hmm. and then I realized that it would include, you know, working with animals mm-hmm. who were sick, and I I couldn't I could yes, not wrap my head around it. I couldn't I couldn't cope.
1: Exactly. That's uh, that's the re- that's the one reason I think that I chose not to because um, it would be mentally too hard. I mean, if I see an animal, uh, you know, in a movie. I can cry, oh my gosh. From, you know, if they, if an if a horse die in a war um, war movie, I, I cry from that. But I don't cry when the star of the movie
0: uh, die. <laughs> so. I am one hundred percent exactly the same. Um, and well, actually, I'm gonna I'm not gonna tell you mine just yet. So mm-hmm. speaking of this, is, I mean this is weird, but speaking of animals dying in movies, what mm-hmm. is your <laughs> What is your first memory of a movie where that happened and has obviously scarred you a little bit because I know mine? Never-ending story. Oh, no, it's the <laughs> Do you have the same? The horse, I know. Yes. Aramis. In the, in, is it
1: Aramis? Is it Aramis? Oh, I think, oh, yeah. yeah the the that is the white horse about, when he drowns.
0: Yeah, in the quicksand. Yes.
1: But, it's off. I, I almost get goosebumps when we talk about it. No horses is
0: yeah. supposed to die, not even oh. in movies. <laughs> no, I can. I'm obviously completely agree with you. And apparently, I don't remember this bit. I just remember the screaming. And maybe I blacked out. I don't remember, but I remember <laughs> screaming. We were at the movies, screaming mm-hmm. so upset that Mum had to drag me out of the cinema because I was beside myself. And we- <laughs> We didn't watch the end of the movie. I had to re- <laughs> rewatch it another time, and would always fast forward over that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I watched it. I watched it once, and then I wasn't allowed to watch it for a few years until I was older, and then I watched it uh, with friends. But it took it took many years before I could see it a second time because simply because I wasn't allowed to because it hurt. I mean, I had nightmares, and yeah. So that yeah. It, it was funny that you mentioned because I. I, I I almost forgot that I had ever seen that movie until you started talking about animals dying. Then that was an obvious, <laughs> an obvious choice of movie.
0: Um, Aww. and and we need to. I mean, we should have said spoiler alert. But if you have not seen Neverending Story by really? now, then too too bad. Uh, yeah. But and I haven't seen it for a very 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 long time. And maybe we need mm. to make that one of our things and we we rewatch it. Um mm-hmm. the the horse doesn't the horse comes back doesn't it or if I
1: I think so yes at the the, the very last scene when everything is uh, shiny and bright and happy I think he is running he uh, um whoever what's his name who the guy who rides a trail is it a trail? a trail right yes yeah, yeah. he ride, he gallops over a field and waving yep. to um Uh, yeah that's yeah that's right so it all ends well
0: yeah yeah I think so oh my goodness that that was one of those game changer movies don't you think yes
1: yeah it was well especially for the two of us we changed career
0: yeah (laughs) 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 what do you remember any other like pivotal moments in movies or movies in general that have really stuck with you throughout time Oh,
1: I, I came to think about a, another scene in a movie. I don't, unfortunately, I don't remember what movie it was, but I was told that it was some kind of um, uh, where it was war, a war and knights and, you know, uh, maybe Robin Hood or something, and the horse was jumping out of the castle into uh, water, and uh, supposedly the horse actually did die in that movie. So that's also why I was oh, scarred. But I don't. I, unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the movie. Maybe it was no. Robin Hood. And maybe we should not look that up because if we know that he did actually die, it's <laughs> gonna scar us both even more. <laughs> oh my goodness!
0: Even <laughs> even now, it I I still can't uh, watch those kind of movies when something happens i just i can't and one of my good friends is probably worse than me and if i recommend a movie i will jot down the time in the movie and say or tv show and say just skip over this part so she doesn't have to deal with it
1: but also i mean it's that never-ending story movie it's a it's a it's allowed for children it's and but that scene is very traumatic even looking at it when i after being becoming an adult and being you know, knowing that it's a movie, it's it's still a bit, I mean, it's a really
0: drastic uh, scene. It's that scene, but then there's so many other scenes that are quite intense and especially mm-hmm. now that I've had a kid and you were about to have a kid. Like, uh-huh. I think about that and I'm like, I, I yeah. don't know if I want you. Like, the wolf? The wolf <laughs> was so scary.
1: I know. Yes. Yeah.
0: Oh man! Um, my goodness! I love that it's the same movie that we like. Yeah. I, can, I can see it. I have to watch it again now. I've got. We've got it. Yeah, let's
1: what I do thinking. it. Now I know what to watch, in case I go into labor and things will take time. I know which movie to lay my eyes on <laughs> to get
0: distracted. <laughs> um. Now, so do you do you know what uh, if you're having a boy or a girl?
1: I do know. Uh, we're having a boy.
0: Oh, congratulations! Well, thank you. I think
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think I would have been just as happy either way, but just yeah. knowing what sex it is uh, makes it a bit more real. So, just easier to, you know, fantasize and be. It's a bit more real, realistic that it actually is someone. It is not just a human. It's a it's a boy human.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I can understand that we didn't find out ourselves um, mm. for, for, for different reasons. I wanted the surprise, but I can I can totally see. Yeah. I don't know. It's not that I wasn't attached to her growing in my belly. It's just that I there was a disconnect until I actually met mm. her, and then that connection obviously is the strongest connection you will ever have in your life. Um, but it's mm. interesting that you say that. That that's one of the reasons why you wanted to find out.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, I think also well, there's so many so much other uncertainty about the pregnancy, uh, <laughs> and and sometimes having the knowledge about things that can be can go go right, but also things that can go wrong, is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, so we wanted to find out as much as possible, just to be feel that we were in more of control. Not that the the sex of the baby would matter that much, but this we were just both of us are doctors and we uh just figured there's so much more there's so many things that we wouldn't know that we would want to know, so we just find out whenever we can.
0: And and so both of you being doctors, that that is potentially worse than being naive like myself. Would you you say? Like you know too much information.
1: I think I think so. uh. I actually yeah, yeah I do. and especially my my husband Philip he is an ENT doctor so and he works a lot with uh, uh, hearing disorders and a lot of the children he, he treats a lot of children with hearing disorders and they um if they have some kind of um gene um if they are um, if they are born with something an Un- abnormality uh they are they usually have problems with their hearing too so he sees a lot of people a lot of children who are born uh sick in some way uh, so, and so so he knows even more than i do so he was a bit more anxious uh right. in the beginning than i was
0: yeah okay i like so i always find it quite interesting um you know, when when do men and this is a, this is a generalisation as well. Um, but when when do men find that they start to becoming uh, attached to the idea? Because, like, so with Brett, obviously I'm growing and you're you're growing the small human. Um, mm. and 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 our partners had something to do with it at the start, but after that. It's kind of like they're sort of standing on the on the side ground, on the, on the sidelines mm-hmm. and they've got their little, you know, cheerers outfit on, but they kind of feel like they can't. I, I, this is how Brett felt that he couldn't really do anything, like he'd help as much mm-hmm. as possible. But at the end of the day, particularly towards the end of it, he felt quite useless that he couldn't, he couldn't help me mm-hmm. feel more comfortable. He couldn't. Um cuz he couldn't have the feelings that I had or he couldn't fully understand he just I guess had to sympathize as much as he could but there was that little bit of disconnection until then he met Frankie and then obviously their yeah. bond was just like insane yeah. from straight from straight away so um and yeah I w- think w- also
1: they, they 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 also miss out cuz I, I mean wherever we go whatever we do and every movement when the belly is big we will we will be reminded at mm. all times that we do have a baby on the way, and mm. I mean just sitting here now, straight up and down. I I do notice that I do that there that we will have a baby soon because I can feel it, and I'm I, you know I'm having. There's so many ways that I that I'd be constantly reminded. While <laughs> he's at work, he won't be reminded, and he then you know he still sometimes when he sees me, oh he just <laughs> he just you know. Yeah says oh my god you're you're, oh that's right you have a big belly oh my god you're so big (laughs) he's still (laughs) you know he's trying to get used to the fact that i am pregnant but we you know we get reminded more or less every minute so i i totally see why they can uh, why they have a bigger problem of uh, just you know the process of becoming a parent and then so Mm. i mean we are processing of nine months of becoming a parent where they are trying to process it for maybe nine months and then they become a parent from, they go from zero to a hundred percent parent while we yeah. kind of maybe grow into it.
0: Yeah. Ah, yeah, it's true. It's a really good point. But that's at
1: least what I've heard other men say about becoming a parent that they're hard for them. I think many mm. would feel like that, that it's, you know, feeling a bit left out or unable to help
0: yeah yeah I, I i guess that that lack of control and not being able to do anything yeah. um yeah would would be extremely tough absolutely
1: yeah. mm. i don't blame men for not being able to connect immediately or women for that matter yeah uh, or the the oh. other parent or even the parent giving birth because it's I mean, for me, it doesn't. It's not like it gets less surrealistic that I am pregnant and that I'm actually carrying some a, a human that is half mine inside of me. Even though it's, I would, mm. I, I would know how how, <laughs> and what, and, but uh, but it's like I'm just getting used to the fact that it is surrealistic. Mm. Uh, but it, it would maybe take longer for them to get used to that fact
0: yeah possibly i i know that uh so i was induced so we knew when we were mm-hmm. going into the hospital um mm-hmm. and i actually i had a friend who was studying to be a nurse and mm-hmm. i'd said yeah you can come in and watch the birth like no worries cool if we can get it signed off by the obstetrician sweet mm-hmm. and on the way to the hospital i just had this overwhelming like anxiety attack and i just rang her and i said i actually i don't feel comfortable now because Mm. i think all of a sudden it hit me it because yeah like it was nine months of a build up and it was just like oh yeah Mm. day by day whatever and then all of a sudden i was like holy shit this this is about to happen actually yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's no preparing yeah Yeah. um but anyway i i mean i'm sure it'll be an incredible it is an incredibly incredible experience however it happens whenever it happens for sure for sure yeah i just
1: I just hope that I will be able to, that I will experience uh, a a normal baby delivery and and giving birth in in that, because I just, I want to know what the fuss is about. Like everyone is talking so much about being pregnant and how, how, I wonder how that is and you know, deliver a baby and um, giving birth and people compare it to to racing, or you know, and they are assuming how how I would approach it since I have um uh, you know but background as a an elite athlete and and about those aspects of performing. Yeah. I want to know how I will react and how, what will happen and how 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 much does it really
0: hurt? Yeah, it's it's so interesting. It's such a great um. Uh, point of view coming at it from an athlete's point of view Mm. um i and i again i like i'm not comparing myself to a professional triathlete but i've you know i dabble in triathlon uh so i've got certain you know i've got certain tools uh that i use to sort of Mm. mentally deal with things um Mm -hmm. and i found that really quite interesting that Mm -hmm. um i could i could could draw on those experiences yeah yeah
1: that's interesting but this, mm. i think what i'm what i'm interested in is um i mean when we're racing or training hard uh we are always still always in control you know if we yeah. if we when we push ourselves running up palani road it's mm. still up to us how much it hurts and even yep. though even though i i wouldn't allow myself to walk i could, it's still up to me how, you know how hard to push it but this will be a different experience since I will be in no control. I just have to, you know, ride along. And mm. it will be interesting to see how much I can actually use my experience with, like you said, with mental um, mental preparations and um, uh, how much you can actually apply yeah. from one experience to another when it's, it is um, a bit different on how. What kind of pain it will be, and how 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 you control the pain because you're you are not in control,
0: yeah, yeah, that's what so I always thought that it would be a comparison of what's harder uh, doing an i man or having a baby mm-hmm. that's what I thought was the main comparison, but mm-hmm. in my experience, there is no comparison. childbirth is mm-hmm. one million percent more painful than doing an Ironman. man no there's like <laughs> there's you. no Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so good luck with that, <laughs> but, however, mm. exactly what you said it's about um sort of being out of control because mm. you know once the labor kicks in it's it's kicking in, but it's about yeah. how you mentally deal with that, and I think you've got mm. all those tools, it's just I guess drawing them on, on those experiences and bringing them mm. into into this new experience um yeah, yeah. I, like I I find that side of things uh s- super interesting. And with our obstetrician, um it was like he almost took the coach, like I saw him as a coach and I saw Brett mm-hmm. as, yep. you know, as a coach as well. And so mm-hmm. that's that's how I got my head around different parts of the the delivery and the labor and everything. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's super interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about, you know, curious on how it will be. Yeah. Like, yeah. It will be interesting for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, Now that uh, everyone who's not interested in babies has tuned out, uh, I will (laughs) (laughs) bring us back to some other things. Um, I I, want to go back to uh, growing up. So you're obviously a very driven person, Um, you, you know, being a professional triathlete, studying to be a doctor, becoming a doctor. you you don't you don't get to those positions in life unless you are fairly driven um where do you think that comes from in terms of parents influence or or do you have brothers and sisters
1: i have an older sister uh we are very different i think um um, i mean she's also very driven but she uh she has just a different approach she she's he is much better to settle with things than I am. I have, I oh. have a struggling a lot more with being satisfied than she is. So, and I admire her for that, but I think, um, I'm, and my parents or our parents got divorced when I was seven or eight. And, yeah. and when they did, my mom took mostly care of the, the two of us. And, uh, she at the same time she wanted to fulfill her dream, which was becoming a teacher and um, and uh, a principal, and, um, and she she did that when she was taking care of the two of us and you know going from working back to school when she was I think she was thirty five when she went back to school and getting divorced and um, you don't get get a huge paycheck when you're studying full time and you have to two children to Mm. take care of I think that was a big inspiration um but also I think in general my parents has always been that the of that mindset that hard work must pay off it's that's how that's how it must work uh life must work um and if you're not working hard then you will for sure not get paid off but if you try then you have the best um conditions or the best opportunities to get what you want, and I guess um I haven't never felt like I'm a talent in anything um not when I was in school when I was in you know a child or I played soccer when I was younger, and I didn't have a talent in, in playing soccer football uh or in school, but I could somehow. Uh, compensate my lack of talent with uh, working hard. Right. <laughs> so I was, I not that I, I was not the one who was, uh, you know, doing all the tricks with the with the football, but I could, <laughs> I could just run. I just never stopped running instead to compensate. So they still let me play.
0: <laughs> I love it. So. Okay, so you you say that uh, essentially that's one of the things that you learnt from your parents, in particular your mum, that hard work pays off.
1: Do mm-hmm.
0: do you think you learnt that or you recognised that, I should say, when you were younger or it took until you were an adult to recognise that they were the lessons that you learnt?
1: I think it was a um, uh, looking back perspective. I didn't... Right. I- I can't, I can't really say that I was thinking those uh, thoughts as I was doing it when I was 11 or, you know, 14, but looking back, uh, since, I mean, I've, I've been asked that question before and I've been also asking myself that question because I, uh, it is, I guess it's not very common to, to do, you know, not to say no to, to, you know, I want to say yes to everything and I want to give everything a try and, yeah. Uh, and that uh, it stimulates me a lot and why, why? what that comes from, what that satisfaction um, comes from, not from just being satisfied with trying one thing, but I want to try everything. And um, I, th- I think I'm just a product of hard work.
0: I'm, not, I'm definitely not a talent. <laughs> um, and, and you said this about your sister that um, she, she's happier sitting with with something being satisfied but you always feel like you Mm -hmm. you struggle to find that satisfaction which I guess sums up hard work uh quite Mm -hmm. quite well like that I guess that's the epitome of heart like constantly working for something but do you find Mm -hmm. that that's ever got to a point where it's taking you over the edge trying to perfect something
1: um I've 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 noticed that I um, I find it hard in my you know in my daily life to be happy with something. Uh, that's that's the biggest downside of uh, always mm-hmm. moving, wanting to go forward, and uh, looking for you know. As soon as you reach one goal, I it it I wouldn't say it's an anti-climax, but it's it does the it doesn't feel as sweet as I thought it would be feel like when I first started focusing on that goal because once i'm there i've already set new goals and i'm already mentally halfway there so the goal that i had reached is it doesn't feel as good as i thought it would and that's that's the downside and i'm sure that many athletes or people or driven people recognize themselves even i mean even if it's not in sports related it's um and I'm, that's one of the things that I'm working on to be, you know, right. remembering that I did have this as a goal, and now that I've reached it, I should really be happy, and be happy for it. And that could be everything from, you know, graduating from medical school, winning an Ironman, to, you know, I have been looking forward to this Saturday for a week. Now that Saturday is here, <laughs> I should, instead of focusing on what I need to perform this Saturday to be happy with it, just enjoy the fact that. It is a Saturday day off, sun is shining. That's yeah. uh, that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on and my uh, how my husband helps me with that a lot. He's also a lot better of being in the moment that I am.
0: Right. So it, it's so interesting and I, I think you're right. I think a lot of uh, driven athletes are probably very similar. Um, mm. I know that... Like, I know that, I mean, and I haven't raced properly in quite a few years, but I know that every single iron distance that I've done, um, and I've done, I've, I mean, I've only done six. I shouldn't say only. I've done six. No. I, yeah. I know. But I know that throughout the race, I am constantly thinking, oh, I should have done this. I need to do this mm. for the next race instead of just, um, thinking like, wow, I'm at challenge. Roth and mm. I'm racing one of the greatest races, if not the greatest race on yeah. the planet i I had that feeling once when I was over there because I was quite underdone going into it, and I just wanted to get mm. around, so I just thoroughly enjoyed it. But every other mm. race i've always been thinking about the next one, and so it's something for me that I need to work on as mm. well do you Do you think you're getting better at it?
1: I, yes i do um especially when it comes to sport related uh things because mm. i've been that's since that's my profession and that's very important for me to improve as fast as possible i've i have been taking professional help with um, a psychiatrist and sports uh, psychiatrist so oh. i've been handled more tools to use it so the past uh two or three years in Kona i've been i've been actually able to you know lift my head a bit, look around and, you know, get goosebumps while I'm on the bike thinking I'm actually doing this right now. And that's a great feeling. And that's, that, I think that could um, compensate for any gel or uh, caffeine pill <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Just being able to do that, um, as I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not there yet. Definitely not. I don't think you ever will be done. Mm. But I'm. I do notice a difference that I'm getting better at it, and I think the fact that just being aware of that I am not great at it is a good step along the way to become better at it. Yeah, both in sports, but also in general too. Yeah. To you know, enjoy the ride, not only not only the goal.
0: Yeah, so when you talk about in general, um, like, are you quite a competitive person uh, in day-to-day activities?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like you the and I are very similar. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it it's it's also because I think that also put uh, you know some shiny glitter to your daily life that if you if Ooh. something can be. If it could be competi if you can make something, you know, a daily thing and you can make it a, a competition, then you can make sure that you win a lot more often. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be, and you can, then you can have your own little victories, daily victories. For example, finding the best parking spot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Actually, I did. Um, so I don't do a whole heap of research before I do these podcasts, mainly because mm. I like to see where it goes, and I like to assume mm. uh, that our audience doesn't know all the ins and outs about all uh, about athletes. So I like to go into it um, you, a little bit naive, so that I can ask the questions and not make any assumptions. Uh, mm. But. One thing that I did find out when I just uh, did just a tiny bit of research the other day is that one of your claims to fame is that you are awesome, (laughs) using that word intentionally, Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. parallel parking. True story.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just – I remember – um before when I was taking my driver's license I remember people saying how hard it was to parallel park. So I uh that was one of my biggest goals when I want, when taking my driver's license that I wanted to become the parallel parker. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> the the person that people talked about for years to come yes. at that driving yeah. school.
1: Yeah. Do you remember that old lady? She, yeah, she was
0: great at parallel parking. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> life goals <Brilliant>. yeah exactly <laughs> so so what 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 is your thoughts on rear cameras in cars
1: on um, yes uh I appreciate them, but I also think it's a bit of
0: cheating yeah you know, it, it's
1: it's like automatic driving too it's uh, where's the challenge
0: yeah i am I'm, I'm I'm with you, I one hundred percent agree. I think it's making – it's turning people into very lazy drivers. They don't mm. understand how the car works properly. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm all about manual and using mirrors uh, mm. as opposed to using a, a camera. Yeah. I agree.
1: On the other hand, if if that can stop – if the rear camera can stop people from hitting my car, uh, I think it's great that they use it. <laughs> so it's not True. that I – it's not that I, you know, it's and it's it, you know if it, it makes traffic safer, of course, it's a good, it's a good thing. But I I do appreciate that uh, you know, like you said, the manual, uh, the, the the little challenge of of actually maneuvering a car, not yeah. only being in a car.
0: Uh, and and I do agree and it, it definitely has its value and it's a, an yeah. amazing uh, invention that they've brought into pretty much every car, brand-new car that comes off yeah. the uh, car lot these days. Uh, but, yeah, I, d- I do think uh, that people have become a little bit lazy when it comes to learning how to mm. manoeuvre a car properly. Mm. I mean, they've got things on – the side mirrors now that flash and beep when a car's coming up. Like, just yeah. learn how to check your mirrors.
1: And it's also a bit risky because if you get used to having all those facilities, and then suddenly they don't work, or you cho- or you yep. drive a different car that don't have it, then they you suddenly you start you know you you wait for the beep before you stop your car, and then you never hear the yep. beep, and then you hit the wall. <laughs> so exactly. It's kind of dangerous too.
0: Yeah, so a few years ago when I was at – actually, it was on – we were celebrating our wedding, so I was in Roth with Breddy and two of our good mates, and we had to get from Roth back to Frankfurt to drop off a rental car and then drive another car from Frankfurt to Brussels in Belgium. But the car that we had to drive from Frankfurt to Brussels, which like I I think it was like an eight-hour drive or a six – however long. It was quite a long way. Mm -hmm. was a manual and I was the only person out of four who could drive a manual so I had to do all the driving I was also the person who was up the latest partying at the Challenge Roth after party the longest so I was the one that probably should have been asleep on the back seat Mm -hmm. but I was the one that had to drive the entire way so lift your
1: game person.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay, so let's wind it back uh a little bit further. Actually, no, it's probably not further because you started triathlon a little bit later. And I know mm-hmm. that uh you're now husband. It's Philip, isn't it? Yes, Philip. Yeah. He he essentially got you into triathlon. Mhm. But what was it yeah. about the sport that actually that moment when you went, ding! This is what I want to do. Do you remember that moment?
1: Um, I don't remember the exact moment. I think, uh, I think it is. It's not one thing about the sport, and it's not one memory that h- hooked me to the sport. I think, I think that's also why I like the sport because it is the complexity of it, of the fact that it is actually three sports in one. In- plus the transitions, um, the fact that you can, you can start late. You don't necessarily have to have been swimming since you were six years old to have a chance in the sport, at least not in, in longer distances or you, as it looks now. Um, and um, the community is just, I think, different from many other sports that I've tried. I thought I was a team player since playing soccer for 12 years Mm. I thought I what I appreciated was the team thing, the spirit, and I that I would miss all the you know everything that was going on in the dressing room mm. and in between the games. But it's um it's even more uh, social and a warm atmosphere in the sport of triathlon than it's been in any other sport I've tried. I mean, like. I don't remember any time that we after we after a football game that we you know hugged and went out to dinner together with the 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 people we were playing against. But in this this sport, we you know we hug each other at the start line, wish each other good luck, and we are being honest when we say it. And then we hug each other again at the finish line. We can even cheer each other up while we pass each other during the race. And I think uh, I mean that's not the the, the most the critical thing about the the one thing that I like but it's it just uh, says a lot about what type of people who are in the sports and also the fact that it is three sports and I love the exercise I, I mean I love to race but I also love the training and um, yeah. you can train a lot without uh, being bored because there's so much variety within each of the disciplines and um, and it's not and also with the longer distances there's a different type of mental aspect and challenge that you would see from a shorter distances or sports other sports that i really um i find very interesting
0: yeah you and i are so similar cuz that's exactly how i felt when i got into triathlon yeah. i yeah i was a team sport player for forever and mm. never never ever thought that i'd be interested in an individual sport but for the same Mm -hmm. reasons i fell in love with it as Mm. well
1: Mm. yeah it is and that's the thing that i yeah i mean i i thought i would be you know then if you're in in, an individual sport it's all up to you how things are developing and if, if something goes wrong you cannot blame anyone else but yourself and blah blah but yeah. it's uh, it's also one of the be- the beauties of it. And it's it. I think it develops you a lot as a person. Then when you, especially if you're being a when you're being a professional, you have to build your team around you. Mm. And it's up to me. I mean, I'm I'm the spider in my own web, and I have to make sure that all parts of it is working. And it's very um, developing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you and I hope you don't mind me asking, but do you do you plan on coming back to professional triathlon racing after you've had your little one? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. Yeah, so, okay.
1: Um, I I mean I want to give it a try. There's so many very very inspiration uh, inspirational women uh in in sports in general, but mm. in triathlon in particular, uh, long distance that uh, have proved that a comeback or becoming a, a parent is not does not mean the end of a of a career. Um, so mm-hmm. I want I want to see if I can do it too and how well I can do it.
0: And and do you is that an important message for you to give to your kid and to other kids?
1: Uh, yes, I think it's an important message to to everyone. Uh, sure. That it's and that it's not, you know, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the end of a career uh, because having a fam- starting a family, you, you shouldn't be have, you shouldn't have to choose between one or the other, not, not when we're in 2020. Um, so I want to show, prove who everyone, everyone who would be in doubt um, or who would think that, oh, so this must mean that that just yeah. is, gives even more spark to my fire. I mean, I'm of course I'm doing this because I want to. And that's the, the the core of it. But yeah, that uh, would be great if I could uh, prove a point too.
0: <laughs> yeah, can I? Um, and please excuse my ignorance, but I do, I don't know the culture of Sweden very well. It, when you were growing up, or, or or now that I guess particularly because you're about to become a parent. As children in Sweden, were do you feel like you were afforded uh, all the opportunities that you wanted uh, in terms of um, male versus female?
1: Um,
0: no. I think okay. Sweden
1: is very, I think Sweden is compared to many other countries. Uh, we have come a long way, but we're definitely not there yet in, in all aspects of the work. And the sports um, and culture, right? And, so and you... that's both men, you know, male versus female, but also uh, social um, status or color of skin. Even though we would think we were there, we have come a long way, but we're not completely there.
0: And and do you, as a professional triathlete, feel like that that's a story that you can change? Um I think
1: I can contribute I hope I can contribute that yep. would be that would that would ge- also give my my ambition and my drive a bigger meaning if I could and I hope I can um in it that's also one of the reasons why I enjoy using so using um social media because sometimes you get some positive feedback from people being inspired and um, to do something that they maybe wouldn't dare to do or um, and so and that that's a huge um, um satisfaction to be able to inspire people to just by being doing stuff that you love inspire people to do things that they didn't dare to do or yeah. take a step that they didn't think they could
0: yeah so when when you were growing up did you feel like you had any of those kind of role models
1: um i think i had several and and most of them were women my mom was one of them and my oh. my great grandmother uh, she died the, uh, a few years ago age 102 wow. and she's always yeah she's so and she's always been you know she's always had the mindset not corresponding to her the, the you know the the time that, of, that she was living in she's always if I always had the feeling that she was ahead of her time with the mental mindset and or her approach to life and I also think that's one of the reasons she she was able to live that long because she she was um, she had a different mindset than many other many other uh, being born at her at her time Um yeah. But uh, there have been many people along the way. Uh, those two have been uh, – have a big impact on me. And also that's one of the things that, that I don't have – I haven't necessarily thought of it along the way, but looking back,
0: mm.
1: uh, I relate a lot to my mom and to my great-grandmother.
0: What, what's um, – now looking back, is there any particular memories that stick in your mind?
1: Yeah. Um, I remember when just when we had moved from my dad's and bought a an an apartment for my mom and my sister and for me to live in, and she my mom had just gone back to school and she had to do like a general um like a catch up year from high school before she could start uh university to study to be a teacher and I just remember when I came into her her office and she was crying um and and I just uh, and we talked a bit, and I was, of course worried why she was crying. I was eight year old old, I didn't really understand, but um, mm. I don't remember what she said, but I just remember having a really strong feeling of that she's really doing this because she would she thinks she really believes that this will be worth it in the end, and mm. it's it's she is struggling right now, but um. She does it because she wants to, because she thinks it has a bigger purpose. And we, you know, and whatever we said, we decided to uh, work through it together. And I wanted to help her as much as I could, and she wanted to help me because, of course, she wouldn't have as much time for us kids when she had to study at the same time. Um, And just, I just remember having a good, a nice bond there when she was when she was struggling. And she yeah. tried to hide the fact that she was struggling, and uh, and I saw her crying. I, I remember
0: that as a strong, um, strong memory. It's it's funny, not funny, but it's I don't know. As an adult and now parent, um, I guess you always have this overwhelming sense of protecting kids whether they're Mm -hmm. your own or not Um, Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes and again I could be generalizing things but I think we forget just how intuitive and smart kids can be and it sounds like that was the case with you your Mm -hmm. mum was trying to protect you from um you know a bit of sadness um some yeah. uh, you know uncertainty in your life and she was mm. you know she was taking it all on her shoulders um mm. but you regardless of how much you tried to hide it you picked up on it and that memory obviously has stuck with you for a long time mm. and in it, not in a bad way in a like it's mm. obviously helped shape you into the person the adult and and hopefully maybe the the parent that you're mm. going to be as well
1: yeah and I th- yes I think so too and I, I think I think it's easy to think that hiding hard things and uh, you know difficult mm. feelings is protecting while it's actually you know that is a part of life and our children will have to face it someday so I think in you know if like for example I wasn't allowed to go to my grandfather's funeral because they thought I was too young but mm. I mean I also, that's because, of course, they were thinking about protecting me, but I think also that's, a, you know, it's a, it's part of life, too. And even though you don't understand everything, I think it's important to be a part of every life's feelings, also the hard ones. I, and I think it's developing also for children. I mean, I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm, I mean, that's the fact. I, you know, mm. maybe some some children and it's it, some situations it is a good thing to try to protect children from bad experiences and, and hard feelings but I think mm-hmm. in general we might be over protecting uh, and not necessarily doing children a favor by doing it
0: yeah yeah it's 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 certainly interesting and even just looking at the world and the space that we're in at the moment I'm you know Frankie doesn't you know, particularly, she understands, all she really understands at the moment is that her dad's home and she gets to hang out with mm. her dad all the time, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. but I, I quite like asking my friends who have got older kids, um, what, what they're explaining, you know, to yeah. their children about what's happening in the world right now. And it's, yeah. uh, yeah, it's certainly super interesting because, uh, a lot of kids, well, younger kids, I guess, don't. Don't understand why they can't go up and, mm. you know, hug, hug their mates at daycare or yeah. at the park or, yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. I think it's, it's a, it's always a fine line and it's also, um, yeah, something that's always evolving for sure yeah
1: and it's very complex i mean how do you explain to a two-year-old or a three-year-old that you know we have, we have this virus right now i mean it's, it's uh, it is also very hard to know where like you said where to draw the line and what mm. to explain and what not to explain them because they are not they do not understand as much as an adult and uh, mm. so we can expect we cannot expect them to do that either maybe so so yeah it is really hard oh i might mm. have to call you one <laughs> when I, when I, <laughs>
0: sure, <laughs> I'm, I'm clearly an expert in all of these <laughs> <words>. Uh We <laughs> <You> will be. <laughs> I don't know, like, mate. Last night, Frankie fell off the couch and hurt her wrist, and I was like, "Shit, what do I do?" Like, you know, just you're constantly, mm. constantly learning and evolving and changing yeah. and adapting, and, um, mm. yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. not knowing what's the
1: best thing to do
0: totally i don't know we're all we're mm. all we're all flying blind i think but i think we've yeah. learned a lot of tools from all of our experiences that we can take take from uh into mm. our parenting but there's I, d- I don't think there's any preparation for becoming a parent um mm. no i shouldn't say any set preparation um but it's it's pretty damn cool
1: there's so many manuals for so many things i wonder why oh. there's no manuals for when yeah. the baby
0: fall off the couch you should. <laughs> that's it. do you know what though that's the thing is I mean in tri- let's just use triathlon we know triathlon mm-hmm. there's so much conflicting information about how you should train how you should feel yeah. all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like there's just everyone's an expert and then no one's an expert but yeah. when it comes to parenting times that by a thousand You've got more experts. You've got more yes. opinions that are conflicting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I've, if I've learned anything from anything, it's that you, you, you listen, you take things in and then mm-hmm. you come to your own conclusions and go with your gut instinct is the most powerful tool in your uh, tool chest for sure.
1: Yes, I. I mean, I would say I, I. don't have any experience from being a parent, but that's that has been, you know, just having the the sport in view from it, where there's so many experts, you have to choose, mm. just to be com- because being comfortable and uh, rely on what you th- what you believe in is more important than actually what you do. I think because yeah, there's so absolutely. many
0: ways that leads to Rome. Yep totally absolutely 100% agree with you um we're going to have to wrap things up because mm. my front door's about to open and Brett and Frankie are about to walk in and make all sorts of noise as they prepare <laughs> dinner for her um mm. and i'm sure you've got you know prepping motherhood prepping and um i, I don't know what, what's the tea that you drink to try and induce labor rose uh, something
1: so- I, yeah, I was told a uh, raspberry leaf tea would help. That's it. Not that it, it's uh, no scientific proof, but <laughs> like within the sport, if someone would, I think it was uh, Craig Alexander who said if, you know, if scientifically proved or not, if someone said, well, I run faster because I drank a glass of water and spin my head two times, then <laughs> people will drink a glass of water and spin their head. It's just so true. So I will keep drinking my raspberry lean tea just in case.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If it helps, the night that I was induced, I went out for pizza and had gin and tonic and then it was game on. I love it. Yep. Good. I I might as
1: well try that.
0: You know, it's worth a try. (laughs) Absolutely. Your little mate is completely cooked. Just have a gin and tonic, relax, and let the good times roll. Sounds good. Good plan. <laughs> also, it has been awesome getting to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for spending over an hour of your precious time with me. I appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you, like always.
0: And uh, actually, I was trying to remember the other day when we first met, and I cannot even mm-hmm. remember. It was a long time ago.
1: Uh, yeah, me neither. I, there was a time when I was – I was I'm really a big fan of Australia and I rem- there was one mm. point when I was racing I was traveling to Australia four five times in twelve months to race so I really think that, yeah I think that was must have been I would assume that's when we were met when we met in Bustleton
0: or Council or somewhere yeah I got a feeling it was bustleton one of those years mm-hmm. I think yeah yeah. Well, we hope to have mm-hmm. you back again one day, and I very much look forward to uh, talking to you on the other side of parenthood. Um, yes, and, yeah, um, oh, me too. I'm sure I have a lot
1: of questions for you.
0: <laughs> oh, mate, anything that, I mean, I, like I said, I am certainly no expert, but I can tell you my experiences. Um, yeah. But I think that's, that's what the, uh, the Grace of Motherhood Network is, is absolutely all about. So fire mm. away.
1: Yes, sounds good.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, Legend, and enjoy the experience as much as you can. I will. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. (laughs) Bye. Bye.